For those of you who have been listening to our podcast episodes sequentially, you will know that we recently moved from a series of shows about personal care products to food products. Today's episode is our third in a row about food. And although it was not part of the plan, each of these three food episodes has had a focus on what can happen next after home-based producers are successful in growing beyond their own four walls. Jill Donaldson talked about co-packers, Bev Martin and Nancy Rohrer talked about producing in a commercial kitchen, and in today's episode, Armando Lacayo talks about opening brick-and-mortar bakeries. After 20 years of refining the perfect croissant recipe at home and some important interim steps, Armando took the huge leap from corporate finance to owning two bakeries. Armando's persistence and pickiness was rewarded as his first bakery was named 2016 Best New Bakery of the Year by Bon Appetit magazine. His success has only grown from there. What stands out from Armando's story is that his starting point and his strong anchor for business success was his product. He had to make sure it was the absolute best that it could possibly be before he was willing to share it with others. This was not only a matter of his own personal standards and pride, but also to honor his great-grandparents who started their own bakery in France more than 100 years ago. Then, drawing on his strong business skills and warm personality, he was able to turn his home-based passion into a thriving business. Following is the story about how Armando organized his critical steps along the way. Hi everyone, this is Corey Hyman, host of the Make It and Sell It podcast. This is a show about entrepreneurs who develop new products and then produce, sell, and distribute these products themselves. This field is wide open and can be a fantastic opportunity for anyone who has the passion, skills, and persistence to succeed. Why do people do it? How do they do it? What can we learn from their experiences? Stay tuned to find out if this career path may be right for you. Good afternoon, Armando. Hi, Corey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, Very well. Thank you. It's actually a real hot here in San Francisco. Which is absolutely appropriate. October is the summertime in San Francisco, so that doesn't surprise me at all, but I'm sorry for the hot day. That's, uh, that's what they say. No, no, no. We'll, we'll take it. Armando is the brother of Maria Victoria Cheka, who was one of our earlier guests on the podcast, who has an amazing business and skill in painting. Armando was introduced to me by Maria Victoria maybe five or six years ago when I used to travel to San Francisco. She said that my brother Armando had just started a bakery and you should visit it. I was told that the croissants were perhaps the best in the world, and sure enough, they were. Thank you, Armando, for taking this time after a busy day. Sure. So I've been here for about uh, 30 years. I came here to to study. Uh, I got a math degree from an American university in Washington. And uh, then went on to work on Wall Street, went back to school, got an MBA, and worked on the, what's called the buy side. So I did that for quite a while. But even before I came to, uh, to the U.S., I liked to uh, dabble a little bit in the, in the kitchen, take care of my sweet tooth. So mostly baking. And we, we spoke about my sister. Let's also mention my grandparents, my grandfather in particular, whose parents owned a bakery in France more than 100 years ago. Well, it started more than 100 years ago. They took him out of school when he was 14 to work at the bakery. And, you know, he was a baker. He switched professionally, started doing something else sometime in his 20s. But, you know, he, he knew about good bread. Uh, as we, my sisters and I were growing up with him, uh, with my grandparents, uh, we learned about good bread. I learned about it. I learned how to appreciate it. And early on, I was really fascinated by a croissant. 
which is, uh, you know, uh, you start with uh, loose ingredients and uh, you end up with something with uh, a lot of structure. To me, that was uh, very interesting. So I always had that in the, little, in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, being a, a picky Frenchman here in America and not being able to find a croissant that was good enough, I thought, well, maybe I should, uh, I should give it a try. That's how, you know, I started baking at home. So I started with, with books and a little bit of YouTube, although 30 years ago, there was not much YouTube to watch, obviously. So as I was working uh, in finance, managing financial risk, managing mutual funds, at home, I would start baking a little bit. Once you get something that's halfway decent, you know, that's when you cannot resist the temptation to, uh, to bring it to the office. You know, obviously, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, people are going to be kind. And, you know, nothing tastes as good as free food. So, so I did. And, you know, I got good reviews. But, you know, as I said, I'm a picky Frenchman. Well, maybe more picky than the average. And uh, I wasn't always that satisfied myself. And uh, I was always trying to, uh, to improve my process, to improve my product. And, you know, I would do croissants sometimes, uh, sometimes cakes, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it was really important to improve. And, you know, maybe 12, 14 years ago, two separate people within six months bought me a copy of a book called How to Open a Financially Successful Bakery. You know, I took a look at the book, but really I realized, especially after I got the the second copy from that, you know, uh, a second person who did not know the first person, I thought, that's great. And, you know, obviously I was thinking already maybe someday I'll start my, my business, but it's very scary that there is a market for writing such a book. And, you know, I realized that anyone who brings uh, uh, some muffins, some homemade muffins to, uh, to the office, people will have to, a tendency to tell them this is great, you know, start your own business. So for me, on the one hand, it was an encouragement. On the other hand, it was a cautionary tale. You know, many, many people jump. And before I do, I should think about it very carefully. And, and before and, we uh, jump into your, your next steps, I just want to go back because I, I read an article from 2016 that said that perhaps you actually worked on your croissant recipe or your process for about 20 years. Is that right? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. You know, there are, there are various steps. The, the first one is that uh, you open a book and, you know, you judge a book by Maybe not the cover, but the, the picture inside the book of the croissant. So you do that, you start making a croissant, and it's a disaster. So fortunately, I nevertheless, I persisted. And then you realize that, well, it actually makes sense to follow the recipe and to be patient between steps and so on. And so that took a very long time. It took 20 years. And the, the truth is, it was still trying to, to refine our process even today. That means that you are both a very patient man, a very precise man as well to come up with the the perfect recipe. So you started because you were missing croissants from home. You were a self-proclaimed picky eater and you wanted to come up with the perfect croissant. And then by coincidence, you received the same book from two different people about starting a business. And I imagine that the book was helpful in framing what might and might not be possible. Because as you said, not everybody who can make muffins should start a business. So there has to be some really hard thinking about how to turn a hobby into a business. What was that process like for you? One thing that struck me uh, in that book uh, was that there was not that much emphasis on the product. The, you know, it gave me the impression that, you know, you want to open a bakery? Well, you know, it's a very generic thing. 
So you're going to get the recipe for muffins there, you know, maybe do your own croissant, maybe even use somebody else's, you know, industrial croissant. But, you know, you, you have to have what people expect from a bakery, uh, the, the, the menu that people expect. I, I think what helped me, you know, make a, a, a difference was that I really wanted to, to concentrate on, on the things I like. So I'm never going to make a cheese Danish. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not crazy about that. You know, so I don't want to offer something that I don't appreciate myself. So to so the book, you know, there are you know, example spreadsheets, you know, suggestions for a business plan, etc. This is uh, this is very good, but it really needs to start with uh, the product. And what do I want to do? What do I think I'm good at? And what do I want to share? Uh, especially since the the business. Uh, well, we'll get to that later. But you know, the business is my my family's name, my great. My grandfather's name, so I'd better take care of that. And Armando, and, what uh, what was that point at which you decided that either your croissant was good enough, or that you felt that you could turn your your passion for perfect croissants into a business? What actually changed in your mind to think I have studied math, I am at a, a Silicon Valley company doing financial management, and now I want to change my life and start a bakery? I really think that at that point, the product was ready. And so it was also a combination of, uh, I had a, a satisfying career, I mean, financially very satisfying. And also, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in charge of other people's money. So on my last job, which was, uh, the, the company was based in Kansas City, but the office here in California was in Mountain View. It was surrounded by Google. And so on that last job, we were managing what we call quantitative equity portfolios. And what we used to, uh, what we, we told our clients was that we were, going, we were going to thrive to be OSD, uh, Objective, Systematic, and Disciplined, you know, which sounds very good you know, to a client. I mean, if I take your money, I tell you I'm going to be OSD with it, you, you, know, you feel better. You know, really what it means is that, yeah, we're going to be, to be careful and try to be smart about it. But it turned out to be exactly the, the same thing in, uh, in baking. So again, the, the job was satisfying, but you know, what if I could use some of those skills to do something that's, uh, that's really personal, have an impact. And if you're managing money at the end of the year, you made money for your, for, for your clients. So there's a chance you're going to get a nice bonus and you get the feedback. What if I could get the feedback by selling something and having an instant smile from my customer? You know, suddenly they're not clients anymore. That's all fancy. They're customers. What if I were able to uh, supply them with some uh, everyday luxury and something that's really well made, that uses the best ingredients, and yet not something that's going to break the bank? So you know, it was that evolution. I went through a very similar transition myself. I was in a very, very different business before I opened my restaurants, and very satisfied working in international education work but also felt the craving to have that kind of feedback from people who were in the same space. There's nothing that I enjoy more than seeing a customer enjoying the food in our restaurants and having them feel as though they made a good investment in their time, in, in their money to come share a meal with us. So I, I agree that that's very, satis very satisfying. So you yeah. started with the business skills and you started with this passion and this product. And where did you go from there? What was your thinking and, and how did you then actually uh, take the steps to become a business owner? Well, you know, it was time. So, so I quit my job. Uh, I was uh, you know, planning to, uh, I was looking for, for a bakery to, uh, to buy. 
And uh, fortunately, the transition from just being an employee to, to being the boss, or as I like to say sometimes, uh, the transition to being the, uh, the jerk who tells other people what to do, I had the opportunity to, to start a small baking operation at, uh, uh, inside an existing cafe. So I met the owners. Uh, they needed pastries for breakfast. I said, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'll make them there. So I created that small operation. I had uh, about seven feet by seven feet and you know, bought a mixer, uh, a small uh, manual dough sheeter, which was already a big step up from, uh, from just a rolling pin. And uh, an oven and a small proofer because so you know has to uh, to rise for for two hours before uh, before it goes in the in the oven. Before that, also uh, right after I uh, left my job, a bakery a bakery owner in uh, Monterey had agreed to take me on for for just a couple of weeks to do some internship and you know to get a sense of what it's like to uh, to work at a in a real bakery. Uh, unfortunately, right after I quit my job, I broke my left foot. You know, I'm not proud of myself. I missed uh, a couple of steps in the dark, not very small. But uh, as a result, I couldn't do that. But I was able to uh, do the bread program at the San Francisco Baking Institute. Uh, I had learned to make croissant by myself, uh, but I was also very interested in bread, and uh, I wanted adult supervision for that. Uh, so I did that program. I was on a knee scooter. It was not always uh, very pleasant, but you know, I, I, I learned a lot and uh, really more on the, on the technical side. And some of the things I was doing with the croissant, I realized that uh, well, I was doing it right because I was pretty lucky. And because again, I, you know, I was following the, uh, the, the, the recipe, but uh, what the recipe was telling me uh, made more sense. I did that thing for six months at a cafe here in San Francisco. And uh, once again, I learned a lot. I, I was by myself. Uh, I was surrounded uh, by, you know, the employees of the cafe who did not necessarily have the same incentives, uh, the same, you know, they, they were not happy to, uh, to, to see me use uh, the, the, you know, the dishwashing area sometimes. For six months, I made some croissants, made my own croissants. I actually sold them. For the first time, I was able to uh, monetize on uh, uh, that, uh, that passion. And after six months of being there absolutely every day, seven days a week, I was really tired. I said, okay, well, that was great. And there were changes at the cafe. So I thought, you know, it's uh, the right time for, for me to, uh, to say stop. I had uh, Kevin kind of Apprentice who was able to, to take over some of the production. And uh, I hit the pause button. And uh, really, just like this year in March, you know, for a week I slept. And then I started looking for, for bakeries for sale, and I found one. And, uh, you know, that's the next step in our conversation. Before we get into the next step, I think that the decision that you made to rent space in the local cafe for six months is one of the most interesting parts of your story. There are many others as well, but what's interesting to me is that you had been baking at home you had perfected your product, you had had a six-month internship where you learned a lot of the technical skills, you had a business background, but you hadn't tested your product, and you hadn't had the full experience of running your own business. At this uh, cafe, it was a bit lower risk. You didn't have to exactly. um, own your, you didn't have to rent your full space, you didn't have to have a long-term commitment, but you could be there and experience all aspects of the business from the baking part of it to the sales part of it to the customer feedback in a way that made it perhaps a little bit easier to transition. How important was that step for you 
in your ultimate decision and commitment to the the first and then the second bakeries? That's a great point. It was an incre- it was incredibly helpful because I was transitioning. You know, now that I have an actual bakery, well, every morning people, you know, customers are there and they expect you know the croissant to be ready. On the other hand, when I was doing that at home and bringing something to the office, well, more than once. People had no idea that, you know, I was planning to buy, to, to bring something to the office that day. It turned out terrible. So I didn't bring it. I didn't say anything. You know, I would not announce it. I was always surprised. So with that cafe, well, the cafe had been existing before, so it did not rely on me much. I mean, obviously, you know, more for the breakfast pastries and more and more as we went along during that six months. But it was, as you said, a low risk. You know, how do I transition from Something, you know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, I won't say anything. So it's like a co-option to the the full-fledged bakery where there are no options. You know, it has to be right absolutely every day. So, uh, and, you know, most of the time with the cafe, I was lucky it came out right. But, you know, there was a a lot of pressure that that turned out to be very useful once I got the actual, actual bakery. So you slept for an entire week, and then at that point, you started focusing on this brick-and-mortar bakery itself in San Francisco. Right. You found a space. You were able to rent it out. It was a bakery previously, and then an you were bakery, able yes. to move into the space. And, and say a little bit more about that. That was 2015. Uh, yeah, so it was five years ago. So, you know, negotiated with the, uh, the previous owners of the bakery. We agreed on the price. The transaction went ahead. And they had, I don't know, three or four employees. And the second I signed, the first thing that was, that happened was that all the employees, you know, all three or four, I mean, not that many, but told me that, well, you know, Mondo, your project sounds great. Uh, we wish you good luck, but, you know, we we have other opportunities. You know, we're, we're not going to stay. So <laughs> that was a bit of a disappointment, but uh, so be it. So I signed, you know, the deal, ended up by myself. Started repainting a little bit, you know, had some help, got some contractors to, uh, to do a little bit of work in the, in the bakery itself. Uh, removed a lot. Uh, the, the, the space, including the kitchen, was very cluttered. So I simplified everything. You know, in line with the fact that I knew I was going to have a fairly simple menu, uh, which is mostly, you know, uh, a lot of different croissants, a few scones, and uh, some cookies, essentially. That was uh, the, the first part in uh, streamlining my process. It took a couple months to start getting things ready. A little bit before I actually signed, we had agreed with my with my sister, Maria Victoria, that her her son, Rafael, would come visit me sometime in April. I thought, well, by then the bakery will be up and running. I'll be making a lot of croissants, and I'll be very proud to uh, to to show him around. Rafael, Rafi, as we as we call him, arrived on April second of 2015, which turned out to be the, the day before I was finally going to open the bakery. So uh, the wife of a friend of mine was working in the front, greeting customers. I was in the kitchen and I took uh, Rafi to, to work with me at three in the morning because I really needed his help. And his help was uh, unmeasurable. He really made it possible. And uh, he spent his entire spring break in the kitchen with me at three in the morning. Now it would last, in this case, for him, it would last until about seven when we opened. And at 7 a.m., I would uh, put him outside on the tables with a couple tables in front of the bakery with uh, a chocolate croissant and a cup of coffee. And you know, I wanted to make sure that people knew we were finally open. 
it cost a lot of chocolate croissant and uh, you know, it, uh, <laughs> a good investment, investment again. A very good investment. Uh, they, they really uh, made it possible. So, you know, there's something to, to say about family. So, you know, that's how it got started. And then, so that was 2015. And then again, a year later, you were recognized in Arsico, your bakery was recognized as the best new bakery in the United States by Bon Appetit. And so that obviously had that visibility in addition to the customer base that you were already building was able to expand your business so much more. Right. And it sounds like it's just been a wonderful journey over the course of those five years. Very hard business, but success to the point that you've opened a second bakery, that you have expanded some of your options to include some savory dishes as well as the sweets. I am just so happy for you and your success. It's wonderful to see. You, you have to come and taste some new stuff. I look forward to it. When I can get back on an airplane, I would love to do so. Armando, obviously, Rafi's spring break came to an end. You had your one employee who was the wife of a friend of yours, and all of the other employees had quit. So what did you do at that point? Well, fortunately, during the, the, the last couple of days Rafi was here, I was able to uh, hire one uh, baker. He was able to uh, replace Rafi. And uh, from, from there, I started being able to uh, hire uh, a few more people yeah, it was a, a little rocky at, uh, at the beginning, but jumped to today. And today I have 40 employees. I have uh, a group of uh, really wonderful people. And, uh, you know, we, we do get compliments. If you look at uh, our Yelp reviews, we are, you know, people say nice things about our customer product. But what's wonderful is that they also say very nice things about the service they get. I'm a strong believer that a croissant, a pastry, anything will taste better if it's sold with a smile. And, uh, and that's the case. My team is very nice. You, uh, you don't meet the ones in the kitchen, but they're equally wonderful. Uh, we're uh, expecting the third Osico baby. I do have employees that have been here for more than three years now. Nothing would be possible without them. I'm very grateful every day. I agree that you can have the best product in the world, but if it's not served with a smile and with it focused on the customer, then the business doesn't go very far. So I think that's another very important yes. lesson. So Armando, for people who start businesses from their homes and do have a dream perhaps to open uh, a storefront someday, what advice would you give them about what they should be doing early on and maybe even some of the things to avoid so that they can reduce the likelihood of failure and increase the likelihood of success? I think this is the part where objectivity is so important. So, well, number one, I mean, also it has to be very personal. I mean, in the case of a bakery, you're going to make a product, stick to to the things you like. Uh, nobody forces you to, again, my case, no, nobody forces me to make uh, a cheese Danish. I have no interest in that and I just don't do it. So for me, it's very personal. I mean, it has to be the greatest croissant. Um, that's what I'm going to be proud to share. Uh, really ask yourself, I mean, what, why do you, do, you, do you want to start a business? You know, um, eventually, you know, if it's successful, hopefully you'll make money. That's great. But make sure that, uh, that you have something to share, that uh, you, have, you, you can share the thing for, for a reasonable price in whatever category. You know, you, you see uh, people sometimes who come up with, uh, with some cakes or, you know, something frozen. Well, do you want to ship you know, do you want to be in the business of uh, making a frozen cake or do you want to be in the business of uh, shipping dry ice, which is a very expensive thing to do? 
So be hard on yourself. Don't hope. If you really want the result, well, you know, check on it and see what happens. You know, use a feedback loop. Don't wait for, for things to uh, uh, fold the, the way you, you want them. That feedback loop can be very brutal as well and very direct and have lots of consequences. So again, you can serve somebody your food and they can have 10 good experiences. If they have one bad experience, that could be devastating. So you always have to be at the top of your game in providing the best service and the best product possible. Exactly. And uh, it's... It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But I am, again, as I am with most guests, uh, so inspired, Armando, just about your passion, your ability to transition for such a different life course. And to see you so happy and still so passionate about what you do, I think is not only an inspiration to me, but uh, for all the many people who are listening. So I can't thank you enough for spending some time talking today. And I do want to see you again try the newest items on your menu and perhaps start to plant a seed in your mind about Danishes. I spent a a year (laughs) abroad in Denmark and was the beneficiary of the most wonderful Danish bakeries in the world. So my sweet tooth does include maybe not cheese Danishes, but, uh, but other Danishes as well, which in Denmark they call Vienna bread. So we'll have that conversation, but thank you so much. I appreciate your time and look forward to talking again and seeing you soon. For those of you who are lucky enough to be in the San Francisco Bay Area anytime soon, I'd highly recommend making a pilgrimage to RC Co. Bakery, at least one of the two, either the one near Golden Gate Park or the one in downtown San Francisco. RC Co. is A-R-S-I-C-A-U-L-T, and rcco-bakery.com is the website where you can learn more information about the bakery and its menus. On Facebook, you can find it at Arsico Bakery, all one word, and on Instagram, Arsico underscore bakery. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Corey. I'm really happy that I was able to, uh, to share my experience. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Make It and Sell It podcast with Corey Hyman. Please subscribe, let us know what you think, and stay tuned for future episodes. 